Welcome back to the Whole Person Podcast. I am your host, Evan Herman. And today we're going to be talking about leadership, how an individual such as yourself and including me can learn how to not only lead ourselves, but in the process of learning how to lead ourselves, how we can learn to lead others. But that is just a small portion of what true leadership is. The next portion of leadership is what it means to be led by Jesus and how we allow the influence of his leadership in our life to trickle down into the lives of others. So today I have a special guest, Dr. William Attaway. William became the lead pastor of South U Community Church. He has many different degrees that if you actually stuck a thermometer in him, it would say he's hot. His leadership and executive coach for Catalytic Leadership LLC company, he founded to help leaders live intentionally, grow, and thrive in their life. And so for our conversation today, I wanted him to come on and talk to us about what it means to allow the Lord to lead us and then how we can learn to lead ourselves and then how we can lead others. So doctor, welcome to the show. How are you? Evan, thanks so much for having me. I'm great. And it's an honor to be on your show. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, one of the things that in the intro that I talked about is yesterday I was thinking about, okay, leadership. Well, you need to know how to lead yourself before you can lead others. But then mm-hmm. that other thought came like, well, actually, I shouldn't be the one leading myself. I should be letting Jesus lead me. So what does that look like? How does an individual allow Jesus to lead their lives so that they are followers of him? I'm not talking about just biblically and spiritually, although that's a huge part of it. Oftentimes people look at Jesus as just the religious figure, but how can he lead in my everyday life? And I think that's a great question. And as a follower of Jesus, we have to start there, right? We have to start understanding that every part of our life is going to flow or needs to flow out of our relationship with him. For instance, I talk about grace, right? This is something that I've received, that you've received. We're followers of Jesus. We've received the, the grace of God through Jesus. And that's an amazing gift. But that's not just for me. That's also for those around me. And part of accepting the gift of grace is learning how to extend grace to other people, including those we lead. So I I think about it as, am I going to choose to simply be a reservoir of what God has put into my life? Or am I going to choose to be a conduit of it? I've received grace, but that's not where it stops or where it needs to stop. I need to learn to extend that grace to other people. And that is a lifetime endeavor. This, there's never a point at which we can check grace off and say, ah, mastered that, done that. No, because there's people in our lives who uh, require a little extra grace sometimes. And we have to learn to extend that. Uh, that's well, part of what it means to follow Jesus, right? Let's and go into that. to flow through us. Yeah. How do you extend grace to someone who, one, doesn't deserve it? Or two, they're not deserving of it. Sure. Well, what's the definition of grace? Right? It's it's extending, it's extending forgiveness, extending favor to somebody who doesn't deserve it. It's exactly what I have received from my heavenly father and what you've received from your heavenly father. We receive what we did not deserve. 
We don't deserve God's grace. There's nothing we can do to earn it or deserve it. And yet God poured it out on us. How then can I say, oh, well, you know, yeah, I got mine, but I'm not giving you any. I'm not extending any to you. I think that's the definition of what Jesus would call a hypocrite. Have you ever been a hypocrite? I have oh, so yeah. many times. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's why this is a lifetime effort. This is not a one and done thing. This is not something where you can say, oh, mastered that, finished, don't ever right. think about that again. Now, this is a daily deal. I've got to daily learn to extend what I have received. Yeah. So let's talk about the extension of grace then in the context, like we've already said, how do you give it to someone who's undeserving or mm-hmm. in a context that is even wrong? You know, we can mm-hmm. we can even take that. We've talked about that in the outer, you know, the person at Walmart, or whatever. but let's take it one mm-hmm. step further where it becomes really hard. Your spouse. I, I feel like sometimes sure. it's harder to extend grace to some of the people that are the closest to you. And I'm oh, the chief hypocrite sure. in that area. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's easier in a whole lot of ways to extend grace at Walmart than it is at home. Uh, and I think this is one reason why Jesus talks so much about the relationships that we're in and and the power of of extending what God is doing in our lives to those closest to us. My goal as a leader is not for the people that I lead to respect me the most. My goal as a leader is for those who know me best to respect me the most. Yeah. Right. Because, because they know more about me, right? It's easy to see the highlight reel from a distance and say, Oh, wow. Oh, that's, well, you know, that, that doesn't, that, that doesn't matter. That's not the goal. What is my goal? My goal is for my wife, my daughters, right? To look and say, yeah, you know, he's an honorable follower of Jesus. This is my goal. Yeah. In this process of wanting to know God and follow within that relationship and the leadership of his lordship in our life, we've talked about grace, but where else do people need to view the Lord in terms of leadership in their life? Well, again, as a follower of Jesus, I think you have to understand that that this affects every part of your life, including your leadership. How you lead is a reflection of your relationship with Jesus. How did Jesus lead? Jesus modeled what we commonly call servant leadership. Mm-hmm. And that's a term that has, has picked up a lot of steam in the business world. Uh, separate from its connection to Jesus. But Jesus is the one who started that. What does it mean to lead with humility? What does it mean to lead from a place of asking questions? We learn all of that from Jesus. The question that I've got to ask as a leader is, am I using him as my model? Am I allowing his methodology of leadership to flow through me to those I lead? Or am I trying to lead like the world leads? Remember what he told the disciples when they're jockeying for power and trying to, well, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to, you know, he said the, the, the rulers of the Gentiles lord their power and their authority over other people. That's how they do it. Not so with you. Not so with you. You're to do it differently. And that is, those four words can change a leader's life. When you understand that he is our model, how he led, this is to be the model for how I lead. 
as a follower of Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. Yeah. So here's another follow-up question that is going to sound a lot like the first one. And I have to preface that because it, it, it is completely different. How does a person have a relationship with God in such a way that when they are leading others, it becomes they themselves who are following God? And what I mean by that, because obviously there's that intent like, hey, God, I want you to lead me. Mm-hmm. But then what this question is like, all right, God, how do I allow you to lead me so that I can lead others? And so this one goes down to that trickle-down effect that we talked about. So we we're already talking about grace and leadership and servant leadership and how that trickles down into those relationships. But is there a point in which that when you follow Christ and you're trying to lead people to him or in another area, what does that begin to look like? I think it's important to to reflect on our own relationship first. I mean, think about the, the last time you're on an airplane, right? Part of the pre-flight instructions that they give you is if the oxygen masks drop, put it on yourself first, then put it on those with you, traveling with you, right? Your kids or people who can't do it for themselves, but put it on you first. Why is that? Because you can't help anybody any farther than where you are. If you're not taking care of yourself, you're not going to be able to lead anybody else to a place of health. Well, the same principle is true in leadership. I can't lead you any farther than I've been. I've got to make sure I'm daily investing in my relationship with Jesus if I want that to flow through me and to you. That's got to be a daily endeavor. This can't be a, you know, well, you know, here and there, as I think about it, as I feel like it, whenever there's a quiver in my liver that makes me start to shiver, okay, then, then, you know, then I'll, then I'll invest in that relationship. But, you know, only, only then. No, no, this has got to be a discipline. This has got to be a discipline, just like every other part of our lives. Do you feel stuck in your life? Do you feel that you don't know your gifts and your talents? You feel like your past is somewhat holding you back? Well, I have a coaching program called Your One Degree. Well, we help you find the skills that drive your life and that give you energy. And we also identify the things that also drag you down so you know how to stay away from them. We help you rewrite your past and the stories and the lies that you've told yourself so that you can break through the things that are holding you back and stuck. We find the truths and we find the nuggets and life lessons throughout your life that help us indicate what are good potential possibilities in your future. And then we also help you locate your skills and abilities and people that you're called to serve. If this is a coaching program that you would seem interested in, I want to help you because I've been there myself and I want you to break free from feeling stuck in life. Go ahead and reach out to us. Evan at evanherman.com, E-V-A-N at E-V-A-N-H-E-R-R-M-A-N.com for the program, Your One Degree. Thank you so much. And back to the show. I I love how you speak of that. It has to be a discipline because as we talked about in the intro, you have to learn how to lead yourself. Mm -hmm. And part of self-made leadership is following not only Christ's example, but then also a level of developing self-awareness so that you know where you're struggling and where you can 
make progress. So how does someone who maybe hasn't really developed self-awareness start using that concept as a way for personal and biblical growth? It starts with what I call a teachable spirit. You have to make a decision every day that I'm going to learn from every circumstance, every conversation, every relationship that I'm in. You can learn from anybody, Kevin. Sometimes you learn what not to do. (laughs) That can be incredibly valuable. Okay. So I'm going to start with my mindset. I'm going to start with choosing to have a teachable spirit. God, teach me today. Open my eyes, open my ears, open my heart to what you want to teach me in every circumstance today. That's where it begins. Now, often we can't see the whole picture because we're in the frame. And it's really difficult to do that. And that's part of self-awareness. Part of raising your self-awareness is, is seeing your blind spots. And they're called blind spots for a reason. <laughs> you and I can't see our own. That's where community helps, having someone around us who is going to help us see what we can't see. And that's part of what I do as a coach. I help leaders to see what they can't see, to help them identify their blind spots and address their blind spots. That's going to catapult the effectiveness of their leadership. But it begins with a teachable spirit. If somebody doesn't have a teachable spirit, it doesn't matter if I help them see their blind spot or not, because they're never going to see it because they already know everything. Yeah. Well, then we can even take this, you know, going down the rabbit hole. Okay. So if self-awareness starts with teachability, then how does someone grow in a spirit of being teachable? It begins with that decision. I make that decision every morning, Evan, every morning. Today, I'm going to be teachable. Today, I'm going to choose to be teachable. And see, this is the thing. It's a choice. It's not something like, well, I didn't get that in the gene pool. Oh, well, you know, Evan's teachable, but I'm not. I guess I'll never be. No, no, this is a choice. You can change this. But it begins with a decision to do so. And it's a consistent decision. I'm going to choose that every day, every conversation every circumstance, every situation, even the ones I would never choose and never want to repeat. I can learn something there if I come into it with a teachable spirit. So in the, I'm going to make some, some jokes here. I feel like that's one of personally, one of my greatest attributes is the fact Mm -hmm. that I'm very teachable, both Mm -hmm. From someone's experience who's maybe not done so well, or in a situation where it's like, man, I messed up. How can I do better? I'm Mm. always looking to grow. And even if, I I shouldn't say even, but for the most part, I'm willing to hear out people because even if I know I disagree, Mm. there's something I can potentially learn. Mm -hmm. And I couple that with saying that I'm also one of the most humble people you'll ever meet. And that's where that joke is. You know? Yeah. The humility aspect of being teachable and learning self-awareness is also a large factor. They, they, I feel like they go hand in hand, humility and mm-hmm. teachability, because humility yes. comes from the point like, I, I understand that I don't know everything and that there's always room for growth and improvement. Mm-hmm. And then also always not to be mistaken for false humility either. Because a lot of people have false humility. And so mm-hmm. when, when I joke about saying I'm one of the most humble people I know, 
you know, it, it it's sarcastic, but there's also an element of truth to where like, no, I understand that I also have to be completely open to things yeah. that conflict my beliefs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not mean I'm going to change my beliefs, but I have to acknowledge the fact that I'm open to hear it and willing mm-hmm. to change my viewpoint that I don't be dogmatic in my approach. And so I think for people as well in, in being teachable, it also comes from a sense of humility where they have to be like, you know what? At some point, I'm not everything in a bag of chips. I'm not the greatest <laughs> thing since sliced bread. Yeah, I'm not the greatest thing since snow cones were invented. You know? But coming from a perspective like, you said, I can learn from any situation and anyone if I'm willing to be observant enough and reflective enough on every given situation and then not being a victim in a situation Mm -hmm. and not letting your situations define you. And when we couple all that, I think that's where we really get into teachability and humility as well. The greatest leaders are marked by humility. And we, 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 there's a tendency among some to want to push back on that and say, oh, no, no, that's not true. I know great leaders that were arrogant. Okay. And maybe in the short term, they had elements of greatness. Maybe they accomplished some things. But in the long run, humility wins 100% of the time. There's a a famous book uh, Jim Collins wrote called Good to Great. Another one of his called Built to Last. Fantastic books. But he talks about this. And he is a social scientist par excellence. I mean, he's fantastic at his research. Very, very painstaking. And he studied what makes companies and organizations move from being simply good to being great. And one of the things that he said was that these these leaders who accomplished that leap were marked with humility. Mm. That's fascinating to me. Where did that come from? John Dixon, in his book, Humilitas, wrote about this. And he said, before Jesus, humility was not seen as a virtue. It was a vice. It was something you wanted to avoid at all costs. Jesus taught us the value and the power of humility. And we've still, we've been unpacking that for 2,000 years. We're still unpacking it. But I'm telling you, that's a part of the secret sauce to effective catalytic leadership. When we talk about having a sense of humility. The only way I know how personally to develop it is in my ability to draw near to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I know there's some people who are humble who might not have a relationship with God, but for me, it has to come from seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. All these things is the humility, the success, the all these things. And for those who are are listening that might not specifically have a consistent relationship with Jesus, what are some of the things that in the pursuit of that, that they could actually see fruit and evidence in their life? We've talked about humility. There's going to be grace, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, you know, the fruits of the spirit. But why should someone want to learn how to lead better through Jesus versus just reading the next leadership book? Hmm. 
That's a great question, Evan. I think that it starts with understanding that Jesus is the single greatest leader that has ever walked the earth or ever will. I'm a student of leadership. I've been reading about learning from leaders for over three decades now. And I'll tell you, as a practitioner for the last 20, almost 30 years of that, um, I've never found anyone who leads like Jesus. He's the best example. Now, I don't say that just because I'm a follower of Jesus. I know non-followers of Jesus who point to the leadership attributes of Jesus. Now, understanding that, is there value in reading other things? Sure, absolutely. I read a lot. You can see I have a little bit of a book problem behind me, right? I love to read. I want to learn from as many people as I can. I believe that all truth is God's truth, no matter who says it. And yeah. when the Holy Spirit resonates in me with something, it doesn't matter who wrote it. Like, I know who the ultimate author of truth is. I'm going to learn, and I can learn from anybody. You just have to learn to eat the fish and leave the bones. Mm-hmm. So in, in the process of doing that, I'm going to look at great examples of leadership. And Jesus is going to be at the top of that list on every single list. Yeah. John Maxwell, I'm not 100% sure. You you probably know what this mm-hmm. diagram is, but imagine, for those of you listening, uh, like a pyramid scheme almost, where sure. you have one person under you and they have one person under them. But instead of it being a pyramid scheme, look at it as a, a leadership pyramid from numbers between one and 10. You know, a four is not going to lead a five. But a four can lead right. a three, two, and one. Absolutely. And wherever you are in your skills and ability on this pyramid, you will always have other people to lead. Or yes. if you're a one, at the least, you're leading yourself. Mm-hmm. And so as we take this concept, Dr. Atway, how can people figure out where they're at and their leadership ability and assess that and then what to do from there. This is part of the work I do as a leadership coach. I mean, what I do is I help people define where they are right in their leadership, in their life. We talk about defining that first. We define where you want to be. Let's define like, what are the areas that we need to specifically work on specifically focus on around leadership. Leadership is a very, very broad umbrella. All right, there's there's scores of areas we can focus on. What are the areas that are going to help you move from where you are to where you want to be? So we're going to identify that. We're going to identify where you are, where you want to be, and then we're going to help develop a plan to get you there. But that plan is based around your wiring. And that's the third part of what I do, which is helping you to discover how you are wired, how you are designed and created as a leader. When we all start in leadership, we start by copying people that we admire. Right. We copy yeah. leaders that we've worked for. We copy leaders that we've seen from afar and we we kind of try to ape their behavior. Right. And that makes sense at the beginning, because that's what you do when you're learning something, you know, you see and you copy just like you saw it. But over time, you're not that person and you have to learn to develop from who you are. If you don't make that turn and you still find yourself copying 20, 30, 40 years in, what you're going to find is that you're not your own leader. You're simply a bad copy of a great leader. What I want to help leaders do is to discover their wiring, how God has designed and wired them. 
And so we're going to start there. We're going to figure out your wiring, how you lead best based on your design. And that's going to inform the steps from where you are to where you want to be. And I think this is a very measurable process. This is something that we have benchmarks in so that there's there's no doubt at the end of the process, hey, you know what? Did you move closer from where you were to where you want to be? Yes. I want there to be absolutely no doubt about that. This is completely quantifiable. Too often we look at leadership and say, well, am I a better leader? Well, it's hard to say, you know, it's a soft skill. Yeah, it's a soft. There are soft skill elements to it. Absolutely. But can you tell when you're getting better? If you can't, I'm going to argue you're using the wrong metrics. Mm, I love it. Tell people quickly about your book. Sure. So earlier there, uh, in January of 2022, I published my second book, which is called Catalytic Leadership. And the point of this book was really to capture a lot of the, the things that I've learned in my own leadership journey and what I've learned coaching leaders for over 20 years now. I've coached leaders in the government space, in academia, small business owners, C-suite leaders, uh, and, and in coaching them and helping them to grow and develop. I found there are threads or principles that run through a lot of those conversations. So in the book, I've captured 12 of those. And 12 of these principles that a leader can take, read, learn from the experiences of other leaders and from me and begin to apply in their own journey, wherever they are. It's incredibly actionable. It's incredibly conversational. I wanted it to feel like we're sitting across the table having coffee. So my goal is to get this book into the hands of as many leaders as I can. I'll offer to your podcast listeners, if they go to catalyticleadershipbook.com, we'll give a free copy of the book to them. Uh, they just have to be willing to pay the shipping so I can get it there. Uh, again, catalyticleadershipbook.com. And uh, the goal, is, again, is to help leaders get better, whether it's through the writing that I can reach more leaders or through the coaching that I do, through the speaking that I do. I want to help leaders get better because when we do that, and that affects everything. That affects their team, their organization, their company. That affects their family, their home, their spouse, their kids. It affects everything. And that's why I focused my work with leaders. I want to end the show with the last three questions that I have for you. No right or wrong answer. What's the best decision you've ever made? Following Jesus. What brings you peace? Mm. Boy, that's an onion of a question, isn't it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What brings me peace is... When I know I'm doing what God designed me to do. Mm. That's good. It's a real good answer. If you're not flowing in that gift or that calling, I can definitely see that. What lie are you currently telling yourself? (laughs) Um, I think the enemy will give you all manner of lies that become a soundtrack in your mind, to quote John Acuff. Uh, and one that is consistent in my life is the lie of imposter syndrome that, you know, you can't really help anybody else. Nobody really cares what you have to say. Your experience is worthless to anybody but you. Yeah. And that's a lie because I believe God created us to share what he's taught us and what he's done in our lives with other people for their benefit, not just ours. Dr. William Atway, thank you so much for coming on to the Whole Person podcast it has been a wealth of knowledge and learning and growth for both me and my audience. So I want to say thank you very much. Where can people follow you at? 
Evan, thanks for having me. It's, it's really been an honor to be here. Uh, folks can find out more about what I do at catalyticleadership.net, or they can connect with me and follow me on LinkedIn. That's where I share a lot of what I'm currently learning. Perfect. Okay, I paused here, Jay, edit this part out. I'm going to wrap it and then go ahead and stay on, okay? Great, no problem. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for coming onto the show and have a great day, okay? Hey, you as well. Take care.